0: Welcome to Wealth Well Done.
1: Together, we'll cover a wide range of important topics surrounding money and the impact it has on our lives. From the sophisticated and highly valuable planning techniques of the ultra
0: wealthy to the commonly underutilized biblical teachings. Together, we'll work to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well. Here's your host, Eric Scoville. Welcome back to the Wealth Well Done podcast, where we look at the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. You know, as we look back at the content that we've produced, um, there's one episode that's really stood out in terms of the feedback we've received from listeners saying that that had the biggest impact on them. And that was an episode that we had done with Jeff Miller Jeff and Timberly, um, they are counselors, been counselors for over three decades. I trust them with the emotional and relational health for my family. And it was an absolute pleasure to share him with listeners, um, back when we did this episode. And so we want to, we want to bring that back to the forefront again as we have, um, uh, collected new, new listeners into our family here. We just want to re-highlight the, the content that uh, of the message because I think it's I think it's so profound and I, I think that even if you, this is the second time you're listening to it, uh, it can probably have an even larger impact than it did the first time that these topics were introduced to you. So, I invite you to open your heart, grab a notebook, and just tune in here as as Jeff talks about the impact of money inside marriage. Enjoy. Welcome to the thirteenth episode of the Wealth Well Done podcast, where we go after the tactical, practical, and spiritual advice to help you do your wealth well done. Um, as always, we have the disclaimer here that says, anything that we're talking about in the show is meant to be generic. And so take this advice, uh, apply this to your situation, work with your financial team to decide what does does, uh, doesn't make sense for you. But um, here today, I'm so happy to have a uh, good friend, Jeff Miller here for, for another episode. Last week, we went after the ways um, to help you get healthy with money on the individual level, which you brought up is, is impossible until you get healthy you know yourself first. You have to go from the inside out, and then you can go after how to get healthy with money. And it's just it's a it's a thing that mo- most most people really struggle with, and they don't even know that they're struggling with it. It's kind of this this hidden, this deceptive one. Um, so thank you for what you did last week. This week here, we are going after the impact of money inside marriage. And so, uh, Jeff Miller. For those of you who didn't listen last week, they were uh, Jeff is the co-owner of Glen Manor Counseling in Peoria. He has been a uh, licensed therapist for almost 30 years. He has a third third generation farmer or p- maybe more than three generations. And he's also the chairman of the elder board at Northwoods Community Church. So um, Jeff is is uh, very well suited to have this conversation. And he also has a perfect marriage. Which, <laughs> which Don't is, ask my wife that which question. It's just even better. So yeah. so he's the perfect man to, to talk to us about this. Um, now, so we, we know that in this I'm going to say this country, um, but this is this is a worldwide issue, but let's just focus here on this country. We've screwed up marriage. Just about every which way you, you can look at it. We have screwed up marriage. You know, 50% of marriages fail. I don't know if that number has changed a little bit here in the last few years, but that's that's been the number that was around for a long time. Um, Seems like many of those failures have money somewhere near the core of the problem. Um, you know, top, top two issues in all marriages, sex and money. Sex and money. Sex and money. Top two issues. Okay. okay. So um, for this podcast, we're going to leave the sex. We don't have to leave it out of it, but we're going to focus on the money <laughs> side here. Um, but you know, and, and what we discussed last week was that money may not be the real issue. That money is often maybe right. the symptom, or is it's what looks like the, um, it's what appears to be the issue here. But but there's probably something deeper. And so last week we we dug into that a little bit more. Um, it, when you look at marriage, how mm-hmm. much of it still is back to the core of what we talked about? Last week, where money's not the money's just a symptom. How much of that is inside? Oh, well,
1: it's hundred percent because it money and wealth represent a issue of power. Okay. Okay. So money, who controls the money, who's the spender, who's the saver, uh, who's blowing up the credit card, who's paying the bills, who's wrestling with how to get the debt covered, those are all power related issues in the marital relationship, and so they they, they expose poor communication. They expose poor limits and boundaries. They expose all kinds of other problems that just get labeled as money problems.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, if you were to if you were to look at this, what is a what's a man needing out of marriage?
1: <laughs> well, you know, top top two needs that, that that men or the top need that men have is to be respected. Mm-hmm. The top need that women have is to be reassured that they are loved. Now, you can think about how how would money play into that equation. So for the guy to feel respected, it would be, thank me for all the money I earn and don't question how I spend it. Yeah. For the woman, it would be, I want to know that we're okay. I want to know that we have a retirement plan. I want to know we can cover the expenses for the kids who go to college. I want to know that we can get them into, the, into Little League and we've got enough money to do all that. So it's a different function for each partner, but we have to be aware of those functions and try to meet both of those sets of needs. That takes work. It doesn't just happen, right. just because somebody goes to work and a paycheck comes home. Okay, so a man
0: needs needs respect, mm-hmm. and as we talked about last week, often that might the 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 lie that we have there is that respect comes because I make a lot of money. Correct. So I make more than you if we're if I am competing against you, and you're mm-hmm. the you're the handsome guy who lives in the bigger house down the street, um, or you know you're the you're the brother-in-law or something else like that. And and, and you inside families, they have tons of that. Um, But so a man might think that his respect comes from, From he's going to earn that by having more money. right? And so why number one we have to figure out is respect
1: doesn't come from there. Correct. Respect does not come from money. It comes from your integrity. It comes from your values, your morals, your ability to be depended on. It, It ultimately goes back to, you know, what is the role of, a husband in a godly marital relationship, it is to protect, to provide for, to nurture, to care for, to be selfless. It is all kinds of things that aren't related to just bringing in, you know, a six or seven figure income. It, it, it that that's not what it's about.
0: Yeah. Okay. So let's stick on the guy for a minute. How do I, as a, as the male inside of marriage, who's supposed to be the leader and the the provider, in this sense, how do I um, maybe disconnect the this piece that that I'm thinking that it's all about money to, to to do that? Or if I if what I perceive from my spouse is that it's mainly money related, how do I how do I break that connection um, of that maybe that deception and get deeper into the into the root of this and get into real truth?
1: Well, again, for many many men. Um, their sense of being successful is directly correlated to is my wife happy? Um, does she have everything she wants? Uh, does, do we look good from the street curb? You know, mm-hmm. does the appeal from the street curb look like we've done it all. And unfortunately all that's empty because it's still going to leave those nagging issues that are happening behind closed doors that nobody sees. and, you know, my heart for the work I do is I want to get behind the closed doors and work on what the root issues are rather than work on just painting the facade and making it look good from the street corner, because that's just a lie. Yeah. That that That's not what it's all about. And um, very few men are coached or encouraged or even challenged that their most greatest gift is a relational gift to the people that, that they love. Men are Men are are taught a lie. They they are they they believe a lie that my worth and my value is what I do, not who I am and my heart. And you know, so many men have have just walled off their hearts. They've numbed their hearts down. They they've shut their hearts off. Right. And it's such a disservice to themselves, to their loved ones, and ultimately to their relationships. Uh, And so for a guy to begin to get back to a place where he recognizes that his worth and his value is not tied to the money that he earns or the job that he has or the title that he has, but it really is to who God made him to be as a provider, a protector, a care person, a person who's modeling Christ's love for the church, that is not easy to do. That takes work and discipline and it takes intentionality because it's easy to go to work. I mean, really, it is. It's right. easy to get in the car, drive to work, go, put in ten hours a day. It's hard to sit and to reflect and to review and to evaluate and to be vulnerable and to talk and to touch on things that are painful and to be present, yeah, and to feel. Because we, because we, you and I aren't wired up that way, Eric. We're not wired up to just naturally feel. We're we're not wired up that way. Our wives are, but we're not.
0: So so you brought up something really good that most men would not consider one of their strengths to be relationships. No. Maybe salesmen, salesmen would but they're gonna think of their relationships in terms of business and sales. But mm-hmm. most men would never consider themselves to be good at relationships. And that's that is another lie. That's not true. I, I am good at I'm good at carpentry. I'm mm-hmm. good at blank, mm-hmm. but not I am good at relationships. I am a great husband. Mm-hmm. You don't hear many guys say that i'm a great husband i'm a no. i'm a great dad
1: no I mean, I mean if you did if you did an icebreaker at an event with a bunch of guys go around the room tell us about yourself yeah oh, my name's bill and I, you know I, I pour concrete or i'm steve and i sell cars or i'm phil and i do insurance not i'm jeff and i am a servant of jesus christ skillfully disguised as a husband and a father
0: <laughs> okay
1: yeah I, I, now, I'm the first to admit, I'm not introducing myself that way. I, I didn't introduce you that way either, even okay? though I should have. But, yeah. but but that's my heart. My heart is I want to be that. Yeah. I, I want to, because I know that's where eternal wealth, eternal value, eternal rewards are going to lie. The stuff that moth and rust does not destroy. The stuff that does not rust and go away. Right.
0: So when we, um, when I was making my career jump, I had the, the, the realization come to me. Cause so I was offered it. I was offered a, the, the next position up and it was, it would have been a fantastic promotion and it seemed great. And I just had this thought of on my deathbed, I will not care about titles. I really won't care about what title I held in a, in a position in, in, or in a company. It won't matter. And what will matter? Like I want to be a phenomenal dad. I want to be a phenomenal father. And that takes time. Mm-hmm. And. My hierarchy is God, spouse, kids. Mm -hmm. And so if I need time to be a great dad, I need time to be a great, you can't be a great husband by just being a provider. You have to, and with with financial means, you have to go be there. You have to do life with your wife. You have to support her. You have to to just grow in that intimacy. And so I need time to be a great husband. I need time to be a, I I struggle to say, being a great child of God's. uh, for some reason, I find it easier to say a great husband than a great child of God's. But in anyways, like ways, being the best child of, of God's that I can possibly be, and it takes time. It takes time for all of that.
1: Look, look Eric, the, the, the number one problem, the number one challenge that we as men have is spending time connecting with our wives' hearts. Hmm. Okay? We can go to the grocery store with them. We can clean up the sticks in the yard. We can clean a closet with them. All of that is easier for us to do as men than it is to sit with them and hear their hearts.
0: Yeah.
1: And the irony is, is that the number one thing that our wives want from us is not more money in the checking account or more, you know, credit line on the credit card. What they really want is to know our hearts. And the only way they'll know our hearts is to have time and to create the environment to share and be vulnerable and communicate and connect. And that is so counterintuitive in the culture we live in today because way too much busyness. And second, these crazy little electronic devices that we're all holding constantly in our hands and those things prevent intimate connection between husband and wife every day, every day, every day. And so maybe we get a snippet, maybe if we're lucky, maybe if we're lucky. And really, I mean, I've heard some stats that say if we're not giving like 90 minutes a week of just intimate, uninterrupted time with our spouse, we're not going to be connected.
0: Yeah, 90 minutes a week is not much.
1: 90 minutes a week is not much. But but honestly, if most couples laid out their schedules and their calendars with each other honestly to carve out 90 minutes from each other, I mean, dude, it's like, well, you know, we don't have it. Couples tell me all the time, we just don't have enough time. No, no, that's a lie. That would be one of those lies we've talked about. It is we're not prioritizing right. the right time in the right places because it's easier to prioritize it somewhere else. Right. Right. And so that's the, that's the challenge for all of us.
0: Okay. So let's let's go back into the money side here. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- with money, husband and wife often had two different upbringings. Around money you have someone whose parents always
1: always okay <laughs> always so, so you've got you've got you know that old opposites attract thing yeah it's the right. same way with money it, it, it is. one of you came from money one of you didn't one of you came from a healthy family one of you didn't it, it's the way it rolls so every every time we went with a new client I'm always asking them you know tell me
0: about your your financial background and, and how you're raised with money what mm-hmm. what formed your earliest concepts of money are we? Mm-hmm are we stingy? Are we, mm-hmm. are we, uh, generous, generous and abundant, or are mm-hmm. we, are we, you know, unwise with it? Cause we just fearful will run, run out. Yes. Um, so you have to, you have to go back and understand and then we we talked about that on the individual level last time. How do spouses come together with, I'm this way and I'm this way. And how do we, how do we find a healthy balance?
1: Well, see, now you're making my case because the only way for that to happen is there has to be time to sure. intimately communicate, to share those things about each other. So now let's go to dating. When we're dating, we have no problem spending time together. Right. We have no problem snuggling on the couch and you know doing all the things that we do when we're in the dating process because we want to win. We want to get close to that person. It goes to a certain level of depth and then we decide we're going to get married. And then we put rings on fingers and spend $30,000 and have a giant, you know, event. And then we have to like do life together. Well, the first two years, which is the honeymoon period, that's just easy because we're just playing. But then it starts to get hard because now babies come and now decisions come and now sacrifices and prioritization come into the equation. And the only way we can get on the same page and have the same values about things like money is to have been sharing our hearts and come into agreement or into union or oneness about where we're going moving forward on topics of money. How we're gonna spend, how we're gonna budget. Where's where's our money gonna go? Where's our money not gonna go? And that takes time and energy. And most people don't do those conversations because they're risky, Mm. because they create conflict. And most people are conflict-averse, not, oh, let's go have a good conflicted conversation today. Let, let's go, let's go to dinner and we're going to have a good stimulating conversation about conflicted things. No, let's go and talk about the kids. Let's go and talk about the weather. Let's talk about safe things because we don't really want to get vulnerable and intimate.
0: Yeah. And we want the, the fake intimacy, which is just, yes. That. So let me, let's keep it cordial. Yes. And then I took you on a date. So let's go have sex. Yes. Sorry for being, I'm, you know, not politically correct. Um but, but... That, that that's where that's where so many of it's exactly uh, where it is that's I, reality i have annoyed my wife so many times by those conflict uh conversations but they're worth it i, I will tell you absolutely they are worth it because the the fruit of it on the other side of the annoyance and the pain of the conflict is is it's, incre- it's incredible once you have an understanding of each other and and that's where having having someone and and to anyone listening to this podcast, you probably can't get Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff is, he He, he doesn't, have
1: he's, doesn't off, have, he's off
0: limits. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff's off limits. Um, it would have been great for you if you could, but you need to find someone else who can help you facilitate those conversations, who can help you yeah. uh, through the conflicts. And, and so that's where, that's where, you know, one, one thing I hope you take out of this is, is if, if you're having money issues or you're having issues inside your marriage and you think they point back to money. A, we need to go deeper. Yes. But then B, with that, just on the money side, like there's going to be compromise. There's going to be sacrifice. And it might feel one-sided that all it is is spouse A just wants to spend, spend, spend. And spouse B doesn't like that. Spouse B is the the one who's producing the... Either either they're the ones who are trying to conserve to make sure we have enough for retirement, or they are the ones who are trying to provide... Uh, either way, but there's going to be, someone has to lay themselves down
1: first. Yes, But see, on both sides of that equation, there's a wound. Okay. Sure. On the person who spends, spends, spending, they're spending because the spending is anesthetizing someplace of fear and anxiety and discontent. OK, so they're anesthetizing by having a dopamine drop because they bought something new because three Amazon boxes showed up on the front porch today. And so that whew, I got the excitement, the Amazon thing, the, the dopamine drop while I go and open the Amazon box. OK, right. but it goes away because it's short lived. It's like alcohol and pot and all other things are short lived. They don't last. The other side, the saver person, they're they're saving out of their own anxiety, their fear yeah. of the future, their fear of 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 not having enough, their fear of being unacceptable or rejected or out of control. And so both extremes in this money context are wound-based issues that have to be addressed and understood. They can't be avoided and one person can't just in power win because then the other first person will feel unheard, uncared for and uh, as over time resentment and bitterness will build. So let's facilitate
0: that conversation for a minute because I am the husband or I'm the wife and I sense that in you that you have that. You've got this fear of the future and that's why we need to have so much or you are spending and I I think you actually have an addiction to shopping and you might not rack up tons of credit card debt, but you still, I think you get some, you know, some release. Pleasure. Yeah, pleasure out of shopping that I can sense is unhealthy. Ah, It's like going up and telling someone they've got a demon. How do you, how do you,
1: (laughs) how do you um, initiate that conversation? Very simple. Okay, this is what everybody who's listening with them understand very simple thing. You just have to seek to understand first, seek to understand first. So the question would be, tell me more, or help me understand. It's not you have a problem, and you need to get some help. Because that immediately puts people into a defensive place. I say
0: you're right. That's great. Please help me.
1: Yeah, that but but that doesn't facilitate intimacy or getting to the root of the problem. We get to the root of the problem because we out of love and compassion for this person, we seek to understand first. We open ourselves up to wanting to understand, facilitating a safe space where they can vulnerably share what's genuinely behind those issues. Okay. And so we have to ask helpful questions without attacking criticizing, belittling, making assumptions, making statements. Those things just shut people down. And this All help, day. This happens that first conversation Things. This is happening in every person who's listening's world everywhere. It's happening in their work world. It's happening in their, you know, with their in-laws. It's happening with their kids. It's happening all the time. These are basic communication principles that we have to work through and get better at so we can have better outcomes in all of our relationships. Okay. But as it relates to this specific topic, it's super critical.
0: And even if it takes you a year to work through this, imagine, so one year of painful
1: conversations about money over and over and creating conflict. It will take at least a year. It isn't one dinner out conversation. It's not one night with the kids at in-laws so that you can have the whole night to talk. That It doesn't happen in one day. Yeah. You no, know, People didn't get to 40 years of age and have all this baggage overnight we're not going to unpack it in one conversation. It takes time. But it's nothing is ever nothing is ever disclosed completely in one conversation. Also, good point. Okay. All right. So it's so worth it because we go back and we process things. And and again, even the guy who's not a real emotional processor, he's still going to go back and he's going to process that conversation. And the next time we talk, some new things will come to the surface some new things can be shared and more understanding takes place and we get closer not that that's another lie eric that that through these conflicts there's the fear of distance sure when in reality the conflict can in fact create the most intimacy we've ever had you're 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 a construction guy in your other life right mm-hmm. so you know about welding right yeah. so welding is this amazing analogy that i like to use it's like so we have two pieces two broken pieces of metal and we want to put them together so we have two broken people in a marriage we want to put them together well no one would think we'd put them together by applying more heat right but in applying heat we create the weld which the weld then becomes the strongest place when the metal rebreaks, it never breaks in the weld, it breaks on either side, but the weld is so strong because heat was applied. The analogy is, yes, it's, 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 it's emotionally difficult and challenging to have these conversations, but they create strength. Right. They create oneness. They create a bond that makes us strong for the future, for what's coming. And when our children see that, that again goes back to what I said in our last conversation, the greatest gift we give to our children is that mom and dad are okay. Right. When they see mom and dad work through conflicts and they see mom and dad getting stronger, they're just like, oh, they're at peace because they know they're going to be okay. On that note, real quick, so I completely agree. And I want to share
0: this. This is something that uh, Bree and I have come up with for the way that we do conflict because we have conflicts. We have a phenomenal Every marriage, couple we has conflicts. conflicts. But we've, we've laid some ground rules. And these may not apply to everyone. But mm-hmm. we've laid some ground rules that say we don't call each other names. Mm-hmm. We don't swear. We don't uh, hang up if we're on the phone or walk out if we're in a room. Mm-hmm. We don't interrupt. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't raise our voice. And we don't do that perfectly. I have still dropped an F-bomb in a, in a, yeah, in yeah. a, in a yeah. disagreement with her. Yeah. But for the most part... And she'll call me out saying, you're breaking the rules. Mm-hmm. And And she didn't like the rules at first. But now... Those rules have allowed us to have conflict type discussions and we get to get to understand the point and not hear the blow up over here and someone sneezed wrong. And so now we're going to go get upset about that and bring up something from three weeks ago. there. Instead, we get to stay on point and and get into the um, into the meat of the discussion. so.
1: So let me affirm for you what your ground rules and what anybody who sets their own ground rules up, what that really does. What that says is this matters to me. This relationship is valuable and I'm not going away. Because remember, everybody's greatest fear is being rejected and abandoned. Sure. Okay, so we put ground rules around challenging conversations. What we're really saying is, this matters to me. I value it. I value you. And so I'm not going to leave. Well done. That's what couples need. Every couple needs to have their own ground rules. They don't have to be as elaborate as yours. They could be just two or three points. But if there's no ground rules, then there's no safety. That's a good point. And we all need safety. All of us. Guy needs safety. Woman needs safety. Everybody needs safety. Okay,
0: switching gears or go, going to another topic here. Um, a lot of couples keep separate finances. No, and, and they do. And so, I want to talk about the problem that that presents. Whether whether spouse A and spouse B both earn the same amount of money, or the very most often it's a it's yeah. a varying degree and sometimes a wide varying degree. Whether you have a husband who makes a lot of money and gives his wife an allowance, or any of these things, like. Can you talk about the, the problems that
1: are being caused? So the that? pitfall of siloed finances, her checking account, his checking account, her pot of gold, his pot of gold, however you want to frame it up. The, the, the conflict there, the problem there is, again, we're not doing oneness. Okay, the biblical context of marriage is two become one. We leave and we cleave. We leave away from our mother and our father and the two become one. So yeah, we become one sexually and intimately, but we're not really gonna become one financially because I because back to what's the issue of money in marriage is about power and control. And so when we're keeping our money separate, I'm keeping this pot of power and control. I'm keeping this pot of power and control instead of I'm trusting you with us. my future and we're in this together and there's no out clause. We're gonna make it happen. And so we're gonna pool our money together and we're gonna do it as a union, as a oneness entity moving forward. And so, when we keep it separate, ultimately, what I believe what couples are saying is we're preparing an out clause. Yeah, we're, 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 we're preparing. We're We're preparing to end. We're 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 already implying there will be an end because I don't trust you enough to give you my finances, and I don't trust you enough that we can work together to come up with an appropriate solution with how we manage it. Yeah, and, I, and I've seen some with their, their marriages who so I'd say are really strong.
0: And I would say that in my perception that they might, I could never see them having, you know, exiting the marriage, but I still think there's a lack of trust there is. as well
1: That when they keep the sacrifices that there's a lack of trust as well. It is, it's, it's, it's control. Yeah. It's it okay. is not submission to one another. You know, again, submission is this big word that we, we toss around and, you know, women hate that term, but I'm just telling you, a woman in a relationship where the man is in submission to the Holy Spirit and in submission to her, will have no problem submitting to him. Yeah. No problem. It's not an issue. But when she sees that he will go off and make decisions on his own that are selfish and not taking her and the children in the best interest, then she will have a hard time submitting because, again, she operates out of an emotional framework. She's fearful of being wounded or hurt or left behind. And money, of course, is the number one representation of that.
0: Yeah. And so, obviously, it's it's not hard to draw the... The line then of how money can in, impact intimacy. Let's go there for a minute. You mentioned the two things: money and sex. Right and sex. So, so if we can go after. So, someone gets health. So someone's maybe got an intimacy problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's let's un- unpack that a little bit here and figure out where where they're at. And and you've you've mentioned that. Well, just go there. You mentioned a lot of couples are not having sex.
1: Oh. it's, it's amazing in the, in the population of 30, 40 something year old couples that I work with, virtually all of them are struggling to have any kind of regular sexual intimacy. And so the question is why? And again, it goes back to my wound, lie, vow, stronghold that we talked about, you know, last week. But the issue is that there's something wounding that's preventing intimacy. The intimacy is not happening because I'm afraid. So I want to stay in control or I don't feel important so I'm going to hold back and keep myself and and stay safe because we're not doing that 90 minutes we're not, we're you know women don't want to have sex without being connected emotionally it's yeah. just the truth and there's no way for a guy to create emotional connection without time yeah. foreplay is a heart issue far more than it's a genitalia issue so if you if you can do the emotional relational foreplay by having time, you you, you put your, your wife in a position where she's willing to be intimate and close with you. But guys have to do that work. Guys want the sexual intimacy because they want some feelings that they're wrestling with to go away. They want the distraction of intimacy. Yeah. But what the wife wants is to know what's going on distractedly inside of you and to share that stuff with her. And then she wants to be intimate with you but when that doesn't happen, we have we have we have conflict. We have we have pushing apart. We have you know avoidance. We have aversion. We have all kinds of distractions that prevent that intimacy from happening. So healing
0: a marriage might require a lot of vulnerability of a guy who doesn't like being vulnerable.
1: It will require 100. There is no way for a guy to have a healthy marriage if he's not willing to be vulnerable. He, he has to be. He has to be willing to cry. He has to be willing to be vulnerable. He has to be willing to share his fears. He has to be willing to be more real with his wife than anybody on planet Earth. And again, not to get in the weeds, but this is why people have affairs because they find a place to be sharing intimate things that's not the right place. And that's what gets the ball rolling toward, you know, marriages falling apart. Yeah. The anatomy of an affair is not about sex. The anatomy of an affair is about needs not being met, not sexual needs, emotional, intimate needs. Yeah. All right. That's good. Thank you. Um, We got away from money there for a second. But but
0: I'm guessing there's not too many married people listening to this podcast who, who don't agree that there's there's some meat there for them?
1: Oh yeah, that's resonating. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Back on the money side, because again, money becomes a symptom of all those things. Correct. It, it absolutely does. So, yeah. You yeah. know, if if I, if we're not if we're not safe sexually, well, then I'm going to withhold money. I'm going to spend money. I mean, so it they, they are directly related. So you can't if you got a problem in one area, you're going to have a problem in the other. Yeah. And that doesn't mean lack of money. You can you
0: can be yeah. on minimum wage and yeah. have an incredible intimacy yeah. with your wife if you if you have done the healthy you know, you've done the work to get healthy. It has nothing to do with the amount of money. It does not often the more money, the harder it is, which is, is obviously very biblical
1: as he mm-hmm. you know, as Jesus talks about so often. The problems absolutely. with the rich. So Because if I have more resources, if I have more money or wealth, then it's easy for me to think that I can go and take care of myself my own way. right? Rather than I need the vulnerability of that intimacy with my partner and that no amount of money can solve that problem. Right. Okay. All right. Um,
0: Last topic that I want to do here is the uh, two career family. Yes. And so that's obviously become, it it was something that was unheard of for a long time, but Mm it's now probably, I I would venture to guess that that's the most, Prevalent um, scenario, uh, you know, in marriages today, at least in the in the United States. So, when you have two career-focused people, especially when you have when you've got two very talented people who who feel called into their career, who feel good at it, who maybe are validated by the by the success that they have in their career, how do you help? So, obviously, there are, there are some very common problems. You don't have to deny the fact that that's going to be harder on the kids. It's going to be harder on the family. You're going to have less time. Those things. How, what are some of the hidden problems there that they might not recognize if they're in this, you know, if you have two very career focused. Well,
1: again, I would say that, that if you have two highly talented people who are working and doing well, mm-hmm. you probably have two type A people. Yep. Okay. And so type A people already start to see their worth and their value based on their performance not on their ability to be intimate partners with one another. And so that becomes the first challenge. Their orientation or their worth is already in performance. Yeah. It's, it's look look what degree I got in college. Look at the job I've got. Look at the salary I have. Look at the title I have. Look at the office I have. All of those things are masking a wound. Okay? okay? Yep. They really are. They're masking yep. wound, And so now we've got two people coming together who are wounded people, And they have a lot of resources, and we're going to go hard after something. We're going to go hard after the house, hard after the vacation home, hard after the family. But pretty soon, their needs as people start to boil up to the surface because all the stuff still isn't filling the void. It's not filling the need. And there's no capacity now, when you're a hard charger, to slow down from being a hard charger and address those issues. So this is the challenge within the two-income family because everybody's a hard charger and everybody's working really hard for this global goal, which is good. But, but the person, the personal needs are being lost. They're being, they're being missed because the goal is pay the mortgage, pay off the cars, buy the boat, get the lake house. That's the goal. It's not, I need to know you. I want to make sure you're okay. I want to make sure you're, health, you're, you're emotionally healthy. I want to make sure that you're feeling, you're, you're feeling what you want to feel as a mom. You're feeling what you want to feel as a dad. Those things get missed. Yeah. Now, the other thing that's interesting right now, Eric, and the culture we're living in is now, because of this hard-charging thing, we've started to get more and more women who are making more money than their husbands. Right. That's a whole new dynamic. So when when the wife is earning more money, suddenly the guy is struggling with his value and his worth right off the bat. And that's a whole new can of worms. That I don't believe is probably more than maybe a couple 20 years old, because you know, 20 years ago that just wasn't the case. Right. Now there are a lot of women that are making more money than their husbands. Right. And these guys, they're they're struggling. Suddenly becoming house husbands, and they they don't want to be a house husband, but that's the best way to make it work because she's making so much money and his identity is 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 at at risk. He doesn't know who he is. Resentment and bitterness build, and so again, it requires lots of conversation about root issues to get through that. It could work, but it takes a lot of vulnerable conversation, and again, that's what we avoid in the business culture that we live in. Unquantifiable wisdom
0: from from Jeff Miller. We're gonna we're gonna stop it there. Um, there's there's so much more to continue to pack and Maybe we'll get you be fortunate enough to get you back here again and, and and continue to elaborate on this further so my pleasure Jeff thank you so much for this thank you for the work that you're doing in uh, my marriage and the marriages of those that I know close and all the people you're, you're serving guys um, I, I hope that I hope that you take this seriously I hope that you if you are having marital problems if you're having money issues uh, intimacy issues that you you take the time to, to work backwards you. slow down, you might need, like we talked about last week, you might need to drop some stuff out of your schedule to make time for each other. And then, if you do that, you you got to ask the deep questions. You have to seek to understand and not seek to to be heard. And if you seek to understand, then you're gonna you're you're on the right track. You there. got it, man. All right, okay. Thank you very much. And, and like we said, this isn't about you subscribing and you uh, you trying to you know increase our likes or anything like that. I don't I don't care about those vanity metrics. But if you are finding value with this, please share it with with others. That way, uh, we can get this message out to as many people as need to hear. Love you all. Thank you very much. See you next week. Thank you again for listening to Wealth Well Done. Be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. And together, we'll continue to improve our relationship with money and our effectiveness in stewarding it well.